Welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well as Twitter and Instagram at Exchange Houston. The following is a message from our guest speaker. Just want to again welcome everybody here today. I believe that you're here on purpose. Amen. I believe that it's part of part of God's plan for you to be here this morning, and uh, and I believe with all my heart that God has a specific word for you. Now, here's the thing: just the truth and the fact that God has a word for you, that doesn't do anybody good. You have a part in this this morning. Amen? You remember Pastor Jared got up here last week and he had that football and he was talking about, and he was throwing it to people and he was saying, you got to receive it. I wonder if anybody has an open heart this morning to receive that word that God has with anybody? Anybody? Okay. Amen. Well, we've been in a, in a series here at the exchange for, uh, since the first of the year. And if you just look up on the the banner back here, you can, you can see that God has declared the banner over us. The word for us as the exchange is unhindered. I'm going to count to three, and I want everybody to shout unhindered. One, two, three. Oh, man, that was weak and pitiful and puny. Oh, we can do better than that. I'm going to shout. I'm going to, I'm going to shout. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to declare out loud, as loud as you can, unhindered. One, two, three. That's way better. That's awesome. You see, here's the thing. Uh, as we were just seeking the Lord for what his, what his banner would be for us this year and what His will would be for us as a group, as a body, God spoke to us the, the last word in the book of Acts, and it's the Greek word akalutos. And the word literally means unhindered. It means uh, with nothing able to stop with no one or no thing able to stop. And so we realized that, that this year, just as, as 2016 presented many hindrances and many problems and many stumbling stones, that 2017 is not going to be any different, right? We're, say, we're not saying as, uh, as a church, and we're not declaring over you, that, wow, we have a, a magic wand, bibbidi-bobbidi-boop, you don't have any hindrances, you don't have any problems this year. That's not what we're saying We're saying we know that life happens to everybody, and God is teaching us this year to live life in the face of hindrances, not allowing those things to hinder us. Amen? And so we ask God, you know, show us. Show us how to do that. Uh, how? Uh, because it's one thing to go, yeah, that sounds good, Pastor. I, I really think I want to be a part of that. I really think that I want to live a life unhindered. It's another thing to, to be able to do that, right? And so in 2016, where many of us lived hindered, we said, God, what is the blueprints? Can you show us how to, uh, to teach the people how to go from where we have lived hindered to now live in the face of hindrances to live life unhindered. And so that is what this uh, whole series has been on, unhindered, God's vision for my life. And if you have missed any of these sermons, please go to our webpage, go to the Exchange webpage, go to our Facebook. You'll be able to find a link there to any of these messages. Listen to them and then listen to them again. Uh, What I do is, so I work from home and I do graphic art. And while I'm working, I just put on that podcast. And I just listen to Pastor Jared. And and there's things 
things that as I'm listening, I didn't hear the first time. The second time that I hear it, I'm like, wow, that was a good word. That was God's word for me, and I start to apply that to my life. And so I encourage you guys to do the same. Could you stand this morning for the reading of the word of God? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 says this. You can look up on the Sky Bible with me. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. So uh, you see, this it's Timothy, and this is a letter from the Apostle Paul to his spiritual son, Timothy. And he's given him some, some advice, and he says, hey man, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And, and parents, that's a good thing that we could share with our kids, right? We could tell them, hey, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he says, nor of me, his prisoner. And so who have we been talking about in this whole unhindered campaign? We've been talking about the Apostle Paul and how he, he uh, Luke, is writing in the book of Acts. And he says, I see his life has hindrances, but he lives unhindered. And so this is the guy that actually started this whole thing, is giving some advice. And he says, hey, no, don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner, because he's in chains while he's writing this. Thing. He says, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel. That's a hard place for all of us to say, man, with all the prosperity preaching going around saying, you know, if you put God first and if you give this and you do that, then you're not going to have to go through anything. and God's just going to bless you. And, and, uh, and how many know that we do believe in God's blessing? Amen. But we know that life is going to bring hindrances, right? And so we do. We say, yes, Paul, we, we will share in the sufferings for the gospel. We know sometimes it is going to be hard. He says, according to the power of God, and then this is, this is where we're going today. Who has, and this is so awesome. Think about what he's saying. He, he, he's telling him, don't be ashamed of this stuff. And he's trying to, to really gear Timothy up for where he's going in his life. And he says, he has, this is the God that we're going to celebrate who has saved us. Everybody say, saved. He saved us and he has called us. Everybody say called. He has called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. Everybody said amen. Right? Because if you totaled up all of our works up in our lives, how many know that the bad stuff that we've done probably outweighs the good stuff that we've done? And if we got what we deserve as far as uh, what he's talking here, I say amen. You know, it's not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. Everybody say purpose and grace. Everybody say grace. So purpose and grace. Now look at this. Purpose and grace, which was given to us. So you and I, we all have purpose and grace. Okay. In Christ Jesus, before time began, let's pray. Father, I thank you once again for the power of your word, Lord God. I thank you for the people that are here this morning that are hungry, Lord, to be able to hear what you have for them. And Father, I ask that you would use me as your mouthpiece this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would uh, be able to, to speak through me to deliver the prophetic word of the Lord. I pray right now that each one of us would make a decision to open up the eyes and the ears of a heart, Lord God. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you release something inside of us that would cause an eternal response. And we ask this this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. 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 You can be seated. So in this series, the vision statement that we have been talking about is this year, and we can go ahead and put it up on the Sky Bible, the vision statement, we want to see everybody 
doing seven things, okay? And I'm going to count to three, and let's all read this together. One, two, three. To see people saved, healed, set free, discipled, equipped, empowered, and serving. Okay, these are the blueprints to be able to get to this life that is lived unhindered. Last week, Pastor Jared talked about us being empowered, and at the end of it, he talked about us being in uh, submitting to spiritual authority. And I just want to say something before we jump into this this passage of scripture. I so appreciate Pastor Jared for sharing that. It's a it's 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 not an easy thing to get up and and talk about uh, because there has been a lot of people in churches that have been abused by spiritual authority. And, and so it's, it's something that it's, it's hard to talk about. But, but here's the thing that I appreciate so much. I, I understood years ago that as a leader, and, and we pastored a, a church before we came here. We started that church and, and, and raised it up, and it's been going now for, for eight years. And I understood along the way that I can't ask anybody to do something that I'm not already doing, and especially in spiritual authority. So I can't ask you as a pastor to submit to me if I just submit to God. Well, who do you submit to? Oh, just God. It's just me and God, you know. Well, you could make up whatever you want. There has to be somebody that Pastor Jared is submitting to if he is going to be a spiritual authority in our lives. And I have seen him walk this spiritual authority out in his own life. And, and it's just awesome to me to know that we are not an independent church. Okay, we're not a church that's out there by ourselves. We are dependent. We're dependent on God, and we're also dependent on the, the authority that God has brought to us. And so there is spiritual authority in Pastor Jared's life. There is submission that goes on there. And so I just really, I really appreciate that about you, Pastor Jared. So anyway, let's jump into this today. We talked about Empowered last week. Let's talk about everybody serving. Everybody Serving A couple weeks ago when I, I was sharing, uh, I showed you in the scripture the highest level in the kingdom of God. And it's not an apostle and it's not a pastor. It's not even a five-fold ministry give. The highest level in the kingdom of God is servant. Everybody say servant. And listen, my heart as a pastor here at the exchange is to see everyone, not just saved. Come on, somebody. But to see you serving to see you flowing in the purpose that God has for your life in 2017. And, and it's interesting to me, go ahead and put that uh, 1 Timothy chapter 9 back up there. When it talks about he has saved us and he has called us, and then it says uh, uh, that not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. You see, right between salvation and grace is sandwiched uh, calling and purpose. And that is awesome to me. That is, is really important. And listen, I want to encourage everybody today, if you would, to take notes. We need to be people that are hungry, people that are taking notes and writing things down. And so there's going to be some things I'm going to, I'm going to have some points today that I want you to, to write down. But, but listen, when we're talking about calling, calling is what you have in your hand. Write that down. Calling is what you have in your hand. It's what you do. Because we're going to talk about calling today, and we're also going to talk about purpose. Purpose is what you have in your heart. It's what you love. Okay? Calling is what you have in your hand. It's what you do. Purpose is what you have in your heart. It's what you love. And listen, over all of these things, ultimately, it's all about him. 
right? Amen? Colossians chapter 1, verse 17 says this, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So listen, everything is all about Jesus. Everything is all about his kingdom and his glory. Listen, we are saved, and that's awesome, but it's for his purpose. We are called for his purpose. We are graced for his purpose. Amen? Life is all about not our purpose our wants and our desires, but about his purpose on this earth. And that's a very powerful thing for you and I to realize this morning that, you know, our lives and our gifts and our talents and the things that God has gifted us with, life and health and time and energy, our families, our our marriages, our resources, our finances, it's all for his purpose. I came here to tell you today that your life is more than just about you. It's about something bigger. It's about His kingdom. And you will live your life frustrated and never fulfilled in your life if it's all about your stuff and your dreams and your family. It has to be all about Him. Amen? See, He has placed deep down in our hearts this salvation, this purpose, Let me tell you today, he has placed inside of each and every one of you a great destiny and a great calling for his purposes, for his kingdom. Listen, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 tells us that God has placed eternity in our hearts. I'll, I'll read it for you. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. That's wonderful. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. And this is something I would like you to write down too. Eternity, the amplified version goes a little bit further to tell us what eternity literally is, what it's translated as. Eternity is a divinely implanted sense of purpose. He has placed eternity in our hearts. He has placed a divinely implanted sense of purpose in your heart. It's in you. It's in me. It's in our kids. Do you believe it? It's in our children. A divinely sense of purpose. And it's a sense of purpose in our, in our, li- in our lives and, and in our hearts that ultimately drives us. It gives us the reason to wake up in the morning. You know, there's people today that are, that are struggling with suicide and, and do I, what I have to live for and what I have to wake up for. I'll tell you today, it's because God has placed a divine sense of purpose down inside of you that it's not about you. It's all about his kingdom on this earth. And when you know that, when your life is not just about you, you'll understand that it's something bigger than me. It gives you purpose to wake up in the morning. And say, man, I know that I've made mistakes, but God has put a purpose on the inside of me. And what he has started, he will bring to completion. Amen? Despite my failures, despite the fallings that I have. The Bible doesn't tell us that a, that a righteous man never falls. It says that we fall, but we get up every time. Seven times. Seven times 70. Seven times 700. Whatever it takes, you just continue to get up and you never Quit. You know, when you tap into the sense of purpose that there's nothing, I can tell you from experience, like the feeling that comes when you go, it's, it's more than just, my life is more than just about 
me. It's about something more than my dreams and my vision. I realize and I recognize that, God, you created me. Do you all believe that, that God created us? Okay, you created me. And when you did it, you implanted a divine sense of purpose. Everybody say purpose. My goal today is to convince you through the power of the Holy Spirit that you have a purpose. That you have a destiny. And part of that, connected to that purpose, is for you to be serving in His kingdom. Everybody say purpose. You might say, Pastor, why do we need to? I'm just tired. Uh, 2017, why do I need to live unhindered in 2017? Why do I need to keep pushing forward? Well, I can tell you why. Purpose. Here's the problem, though. A lot of us might know that we have purpose, but we don't know what our purpose is. Okay, I, I get it. The Bible says we have purpose, but, but what's mine? Listen to this and write this down. If you don't understand the purpose of a thing, that thing will be misused. If you don't understand the purpose of a thing, that thing will be misused. If you don't understand the purpose of your life, you're just going to wake up every day and experiment. Oh, maybe, maybe my purpose is this. And, 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 and that, um, it makes your heart weary. Because you're always looking over here and looking over there. You never really find it. Listen, if you don't understand the purpose of the thing, you will misuse it. And the best illustration that God was uh, giving me to, to really share with the church today was this. Years and years ago, when I was in elementary school, I had a friend named Jeremy. Jeremy and I, we, we hung out a lot together. We had a lot of fun. But we were just two dweebs in elementary school. All right? We weren't really that cool. I had cousins that were in high school, and they were super cool, okay? We were dweebs. They were awesome. They were running the high school, man. I'm telling you, they were twins, good-looking guys. They were on the varsity football team. Their name was Brent and Brian, and I, they just, they wore cool guest jeans, man. They had Z Cavarucci's, man. I mean, these guys were just awesome. They had girlfriends that were beautiful. They drove cool trucks. And man, me and Jeremy just wanted to be like Brent and Brian. And so one day, I was over at Jeremy's house, and he goes, hey, man, do you think we could go over to your cousin's Brent and Brian's house? And they, my aunt and uncle have a lot of money. And so they had a really cool house. It was like going over to Silver Spoons, man, like Ricky Schroeder's house when we went over there. We went to Brent and Brian's house, and we walked into their room, and they had a cool jam box, dude. It was awesome. Does anybody remember what jam boxes are? Oh, man. It's a stereo that you put on your shoulders, and you could put it down on the ground and get some cardboard and break dance. That's what I wanted to do. And they had that cool jam box, and they had bunk beds. I never had enough money to get bunk beds, man. That was so cool. And they had a TV in their bedroom. Back in the 80s, man, I mean, this is rich. Nobody had more than like two TVs, and they had three in their house, one in their bedroom with an Atari attached to it. I mean, they were so cool. And I remember Jeremy and I, we go in there, and, and, and we're messing around, and, and we're hanging out with Brent and Brian, the cool guys, man. And, and uh, Jeremy is over in the corner, and he finds Brent, who was the starting running back, star running back, just an awesome athlete, he finds his football athletic bag. And he gets it out, and he's like, hey, can I look in this, man? This is awesome. Because remember, we're little elementary kids. This is, this is like 
Christmas morning to us, and we open up, and he pulls out Brent's helmet, a real varsity football helmet. We're like, man, that is so cool. And then he pulls out Brent's football cleats, and they were Nike Shark football cleats, man. They were just so cool. We're like, whoa, what's that? And then the next thing, Jeremy reaches in, and he goes, hey, what's this? Now listen, pause for just a second. He pulls out Brent's athletic cup. Does not know what it is. Before Brent can say, hey, that's my athletic cup, Jeremy goes, hey, what's this? Is it a face mask? (laughs) Yeah, a lot of you just threw up in your mouth right there. Right? Listen, if you don't understand the purpose of a thing, you will misuse that thing. It's a great illustration of many of us that came to church today who don't know what our purpose is. If you don't know the purpose of a thing, that thing will be misused. And so many of us, we're going around looking, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? And we're going not to the, listen, if you want to find out your purpose, you need to go to the creator of the thing. Instead, we're going to other things. And we're going, hey, don't you like my car? Don't you like my house? Uh, don't you like, hey, hey, I, I'm putting all this stuff on Facebook and Instagram, and, and why aren't you liking my stuff? I, I have the perfect picture with the perfect uh, filter on it and, and the perfect caption. Why didn't you take time to like it? And we're trying to get our fulfillment and our purpose from other things. But to find the purpose of a thing, you have to go to the creator of the thing, and so we go to God and we say, God, you created me, right? We believe that. God, you created me, and I don't want to look like Jeremy putting an athletic cup over my mouth and nose. That's silly. I don't want to look silly anymore, God. What did you create for me? What is my life? What is my plan for? And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, an awesome, powerful scripture, and this is a message for us today, and I'm going to read it out of the Amplified, but listen to this. It says, for we are God's own masterwork, a work of art. Can I tell you today that you are God's work of art? That you are a masterpiece. I don't know what anybody else has told you. Maybe people have torn you down. Maybe people have told you that you don't have any self-worth. But I came here to tell you today that God created you and he created you on purpose and he created you and you are a masterpiece. But listen to this. It doesn't just stop right there. We're his workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus. Thank God for the new covenant. Thank God for what Jesus did. There is death, burial, and the resurrection. It says that we're born anew. Listen, here's our purpose, that we may do those good works. Part of God's purpose for you is to do good works. That he has already gone ahead of you, the Bible said, and predestined for you. He created you. Four good works. How many know that he knew what those good works would be? So he put all the right, you got all the right stuff that you need inside of you to do these things. Like God doesn't go backwards. He doesn't make mistakes. Everybody understand? I'm trying to get you up out of the mully grubs this morning. Understand that you are awesome. Right? So you understand that it says that you're created for good works, which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths, which he prepared ahead of time. Listen to this. That we should Walk in them. It doesn't say that we will. Because, guys, this, I'm telling you here this morning, you have a responsibility in this. This has already been planned before you. It's already been prepared before you, these good works. God has a plan for you to serve. 
But you have a part in that where, listen, you have to cooperate. God's plan doesn't just automatically happen because God's, that's God's plan. This is where free will comes in. And it's for us to come to the house of God this morning and say, yes, God, I believe that you do have a plan and a purpose for my life. I do believe that you created me to serve. You created me for good works. And so this morning I say, yes, God has planned for you to serve in his kingdom. But notice Paul says that we should. And so I believe that this morning we decide that we should. I mean, amen. Think about Moses. Moses calls uh, God calls Moses, and, and, and listen, understand what we've, already, what we've already said, that God has implanted, he's created us, and he's implanted a divine sense of purpose in each and every one of us, and we've picked up the story in Moses, you've probably read it before, but he's out in the desert, he's killed some people, he's out running, and he's just kind of meandering around in the desert, and God call, comes to him and calls to that divine implanted purpose that's on the inside of him. He says, Moses, Moses. And he's speaking out of a burning bush. And this is kind of a crazy story, but God is speaking to him. And he says, there's a a divine implanted purpose on the inside of you. and And I'm calling out to you, Moses. I see you. And I'm calling you. Part of your purpose is to go and set my people free. And what does Moses say? He says, he stutters. Who, 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 am, who am I, God? Who am I that you could use me? He questions his identity. He, he doesn't believe that he's a masterpiece, that he could really do anything. And then he, he, he says, I, I'm, I'm slow of speech. I, 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 I have a stutter. Uh, and even if I did do this crazy thing, who would I tell them that, that, that sent Me, and in Exodus chapter 4, verse 2, in talking about purpose and talking about calling, God responds to Moses with this scripture, and he says, Moses, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? And the Lord took me to this passage just last week in terms of talking about purpose, what's in your heart, and talking about calling in terms of what's in your hand. And it was so awesome to me that the Lord said to Moses, what's in your hand? Because you see, God, listen to this was going to use what was in Moses' hand to fulfill what he had put in his heart. You see, many times there's this friction in our lives. So we come to, we come to church and we become faithful people and, and we become faithful attenders of the church. Not really participators, not really people that come and serve, but we're, we're getting on board and we're starting to understand that, yes, I do have a divine sense of calling and inside of me, and I really don't know what that is, but I kind of feel like God's kind of pulling that out of me, and I feel like that would be great. And if it was great, and if it has something to do with the kingdom of God and the Bible, then it must look like Billy Graham. And so you go, well, I don't look like Billy Graham, or I don't look like Bishop T.D. Jakes, or I don't look like Bishop Jamie Englehart. That's what it looks like. And that's in our heart. We want to do great things for God. And so, so it's out there. That's what's in our heart. And we feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we look at our everyday life and we go, 
but I, my life doesn't look anybody anything like them because we, we we think that Billy Graham is you know he he never stumps his toe or he never says a cuss word you know we we think of Bishop T D Jakes as these guys that just float around on a holy cloud of the Shekinah glory of God and the Holy Spirit and they're just all the time quoting scripture and and that's what that looks like and we compare where we're at like God I'm just a graphic artist every day in my house I don't ever get to see the sunlight I just sat there we only have one car and my wife took the car all the way to Crosby and here I am and I'm just doing this work and it just really doesn't look like what's in my hand it looks like so much different than what's in my heart because I do want to do something great for you and what God started to show me in this scripture is that if you're going to fulfill what's in your heart all you have to do is be faithful with what's in your hand many times we start to make it so super spiritual I was talking to a guy last night, uh, my neighbors, we all got together last night, and we had a, a, a big um, crawfish bowl, and all these people came to our, to our house, and I was meeting new people, and I met this guy last night, and we started to talk, and he said, so you're, you're, a, you're a preacher? I was like, yeah, yeah, I am, and he's like, oh, you know, that's great, and, and, uh, and, and he started talking about his, he's like, I would like to try your church out sometime. Me and my wife, we want to get back into church. We're not as faithful as we want to be, and we're just kind of in this place. And, and then I started to talk to him. I said, what are you passionate about? What's your passion? He goes, I love to fish. I love to fish. And he said, I'm really good at it. I go, oh, wow, really? And, uh, and so we're, we're talking back and forth. He's telling me about this. His, he has this place, and I don't know anything. I'm not an angler. I don't know anything about fishing, right? And he's telling me all this stuff about fishing, how there's times of the seasons and all these bass go somewhere, and they're spawning and doing something, and he just loses me, man. I'm just like, okay, that sounds great. And then, and then uh, I start talking to him about why I got into ministry. And he started to hear the passion in my heart. And I started connecting the passion in his voice to something that he loves to do and something that he's really good at. And out of what he started to hear about my son, and I started sharing the testimony y'all heard this morning, he started to cry. And he said, you know what really gets me? And I said, what's that? And he says, well, all my kids have graduated, and I'm in a new place where me and my wife are in an empty nest, and my youngest son's 20, and I got a 23-year-old daughter and a 27-year-old son, and we're in a different place. And he goes, something that breaks my heart is kids with cancer. And I go, I, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Spending so much time in the hospital with Kagan, we've seen, and that's given us so much perspective to know that God, man, I know we're going through something hard, but these people are going through something harder. And he says, uh, he says, I just feel like I could, uh, I wish I could do something for those kids. And all of a sudden, I connected the dots. See, because he has a passion in his, in, in his heart. He wants to do something great. But on the other side, he's just an old, good old boy that likes to fish. Those are so far apart. That looks nothing like Bishop T.D. Jakes. And I said, what if you started finding a way where you could go and find maybe a father and son who they're struggling with that, with cancer, and you take them and you just get them away from whatever their problem, and you just take them on a fishing trip. And he goes, I'm going to do that. And all of a sudden, what was in his heart and what was in his hand collided. 
And he went, wow, God could use me? And I was like, yes. And you know what he said? You and your son are going to be my first ones to take. And I thought, great. He can, he can test out on us and, 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 and find a safe place. But listen, so many times we, we have, we have let, me, let me share this. James chapter 1, verse 17 says this. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Okay, that's from God, right? So he's placed this divinely implanted purpose inside of us. He's given us these gifts and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. I want to tell you, I want to focus you on no variation of shadow of turning. In other words, God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't make you one way and then decide to use you another way. Many of you have not jumped into serving at the exchange because you view serving as what Pastor Kevin does. And you don't have the same gifts and passions and callings that I have. But here's the thing. My passions and gifts and callings aren't any better than the ones that you have. And you have viewed them that way. But I'm here to tell you, you are also a masterpiece. And God wants to use you. And maybe you love to fish. Well, then get busy being faithful with what's in your hand and you'll fulfill what's in your heart. Right? We have simple things, guys, that God has placed in our hands like our marriages. Be faithful in your marriage. Our children. Be faithful to your children. Our finances. Be faithful with your finances. Be faithful with what's in your hand. And it will get busy fulfilling what's in your heart. They connect. Okay? For so long we've been so super spiritual on God. Well, I just don't know how God could use somebody that just, you know, goes out and is a good old boy and just fishes. He can. He wants to use that thing. Maybe your gift that you have is hospitality and you're just a nice person. Maybe you hate people, but you're a good text writer. Get busy texting people and encouraging people that way. There are so many things we as the exchange are not doing because we are a young church that is just building up. But the moment you start to get convinced that you have a purpose, you have a calling on the inside of you, and what's going to happen is you start to be faithful with what's in your hand. Just the everyday things that you have. He wants to use it. It'll start to fulfill what's all in our hearts. You know, I, I think about... Um, a guy like Bono from U2. A lot of you just went, what? Where is, where is he going with this? That's really not spiritual. Well, if, I love U2, and because uh, I'm a little older. Yeah, I'm older. I love U2. And, and, and Bono is a guy who, he has a passion in his heart. And if you've ever followed this guy at all, you'll know that he wants to alleviate poverty in third world nations. He has a passion to help third world countries. Now here's the thing. If Bono thought like most of us Christians do, where he went, wow, you know, I have this passion in my heart, he would go, you know, this whole, I I know I'm pretty good at singing and I have a way of writing music and and I know that our careers are kind of taken off, but really that's selfish. You know, that really doesn't look like Bishop T.D. Jakes. And so, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing now, and I'm going to move to Africa, and I'm going to start an orphanage. I'm not saying he wouldn't have a great orphanage. But what I'm telling you 
is it wouldn't have anywhere close to the impact that he has had in the world today by just doing what God had put in his hand, which is really, really gifted to make this music that is timeless, and raised up this platform to be able now to... I'm, I'm talking about multitudes and millions upon millions of people have been affected because he was faithful with what was just in his hand. Do y'all see where I'm going with that? Fishing, singing. Tim Tebow comes to my mind. He's a son of missionaries. And many times, you know, when he was playing for the Jets and he was all caught up in that that multi, the media, the broadcasting, all this stuff, many times I'm sure he thought, well, this is just selfish, and this, is just, this could just be seen as all about me. And he could have said, I'm just going to go be a missionary. And he would never, do you know the impact that Tim Tebow has right now in the world today? Why? It's because he was just faithful with what was in his hand. He's an unbelievable athlete with arms that are as big around as my thighs. I can work out for the rest of my life and never. I don't have that ability to do what he does. But he does, and so he gets busy doing what's in his hand, and it fulfills what's in his heart. So listen, in closing, I want to give you three keys to live a life unhindered and to fulfill what God has placed in your heart through serving. These are going to be three things that we're just going to go through this morning. Please write this down. Number one, get a revelation of who you are in Christ. I'm still trying to convince you that you have a purpose. Listen, I love the confession of David in Psalms 139, verse 14. Let's put that up on the Sky Bible. David, listen, listen to what he says. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Is that what you woke up and looked in the mirror this morning and said? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. (laughs) You look right in the eyes of that guy in the mirror. Marvelous, oh Lord, are your works. I do do this. And you need to do this as well. Because you are a masterpiece. It's not being conceited, it's being confident. Now, if you use this to put other people down with, that's being conceited. But too many of us are walking around going, I don't know if God could ever use me. I mean, I'm just a stutter. What could you ever do? Who am I? No, 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 no. I'm telling you today, you need to look in the mirror and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Look what the Lord has done, God. Marvelous are your works. I am your masterpiece. My wife and I have this all, we have this all together. I'm fearfully made. She's wonderfully made. That's a good place to laugh. Thank you. And that, that's the confidence that we gotta, that, that we got to get, guys. God, God has a plan for our life, and that purpose and that plan is to serve. Number two, get a revelation of who you are in the church. Talking about in his body. Listen, we all need to get a revelation that this is a part of what God has placed in our hands to be faithful with. I'm talking about not just going to church, I'm talking about us being the church, amen? Because the truth is we cannot separate our faithfulness from God to our faithfulness to church. 
I'm telling you, the more that we get a revelation of this, that it's not us just going to church, but that we are the church, the more we'll see a blessing and the more we'll see a new level of flourishing and we'll see growth in our lives and our church like never before. You see, when we realize that we are the church, then serving is not just something that we do. Being the church is something that flows out of our hand. Psalms 92 verse 13 says this, Those who are planted, where? In the house of the Lord, shall flourish in the courts of their God. Verse 14 says, They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Everybody say flourish. Come on, shout it out. Flourish. That is why it is so important for you to get planted in the exchange. It's so that you can flourish. It's so that you can bloom and bud and grow and mature. So somebody would look at your life and say, I want a life like that because they're flourishing. There's something different about this. This is why it's so hard for many of you to even get to church half the time. You know, you probably seems like you're always coming, things are coming up that get in the way of you coming to church or like you're always getting a fight right before you go to church. You don't want to go to church. Well, there you go. Psalms 92 verse 13, the enemy doesn't want you planted here. He doesn't want your life flourishing. He doesn't want your family flourishing. And so he is going to do everything that he can do to distract you from being faithful here at the exchange, to keep you away from your destiny. He doesn't, he's fine with you being saved, but he doesn't want you serving. He doesn't want you planted. He doesn't want you growing. Guys, you got to get connected. You got to get planted here. Why do you think Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says this? And let us consider how we must spur one another on, how we may encourage each other towards love and good deeds. Well, how are we going to be able to do that if we're not around each other, right? And the next verse, he says this So let's not give up meeting together. Because some are in the habit of doing this. Let us instead encourage one another. You see, the reason Hebrews chapter 10 says this is because God is trying to teach each one of us the importance of us meeting together, coming together. We're not just doing this for fun. It's important for flourishing and and growing and coming together. He warns us that it will be common for people Us, we are the people to slack off and not want to come together or get too busy to come together, that we should encourage one another. No, 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 let's not not slack off. Let's, Let's come together. You see, God wants us to come together because, listen, we can do more together than we can do individually. We can do more together than we can do apart, guys. God wants us to come together, and that... It's part of our, of our destiny. You know, Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 16 that he is the one who is building his church. And guys, I know people who have spent their life trying to tear down the church that Jesus said that he's building. They, they do it by saying, well, you know, church is not that important. You know, I'm just fine, just me and Jesus. I can do fine without it. Not according to Jesus, you can't. Not according to the word of God. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible tells us that Jesus loves the church so much that he gave his life for the church. And I'm here to tell you today something powerful about when people get a revelation of who they are in the church. Come on, not just in Christ, but in the church. Come on, somebody. Not just in Christ, but in the church. Huh? Huh? When we get that revelation, 
a heart change starts to happen and a passion comes out for God's kingdom. I'm telling you, he's raising up a people that have a passion for his house, have a passion for his people, people that are united and want to see the house of God flourish, a people who give of who they are and what they have through their time and their talents and their treasure and their their energy through their finances and resources. It's a people who understand that what's in their hand relates to what's in their heart, and we get busy serving. And the last, last point is this. Number three, don't just get a revelation that who you are in Christ and not just a revelation of who you are in the church, but get a revelation of the cause of Christ. The cause of Christ. You see, Jesus was asked the question one day in John chapter 18. He was asked, are you a king? And Jesus said this in verse 13. He said, you rightly, you say rightly that I am a king. He says, for this cause, everybody say cause. He says, for this cause I was born, and for this cause, everybody say cause. Jesus said, for this cause I have come into the world. Did you know that you were sent into the world for a cause? And it's the cause of Christ. Jesus knew that he was born for a cause. He knew that he was on the planet earth, placed here by his Father for a cause. And in John chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus said, speaking about the cross, he said, for this cause... I came in this hour. He was born for a cause. You were born for his cause. He was placed on this earth for a cause. You were placed here on this earth for his cause. Not your life. Not your dreams. Not, it's not all about you. It's about something bigger than you. And isn't it awesome to be connected to something that's so much bigger than you? Yes. It's amazing. Did you know that any vision is only as powerful as the cause that it's attached to? And we at the Exchange Church have a vision, and our vision is attached to the cause of Christ. And you this morning are a part of that. So how do I do that? How do I do that, Pastor? You've convinced me. I have a divinely implanted purpose on the inside of me. You've convinced me. You know what, Pastor? I I have something in my heart that's calling out to me to do something great for God. And I I believe it's connected to what's in my hand, the gifts and the talents and the abilities, the passions that I have. Fishing can be cool, Pastor, and God can use it. A couple of men said amen. So what do I do? This is the last thing I want to leave with you. There's a... A passage in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Go look at it later, but it's very, it's very misinterpreted. And I'm going to ask the, the worship team if you guys would come up here. I remember standing in church when I was a kid, and many ministers would get up at the end of church, just like we are right now, and they would quote this scripture. And when they would say, because the word of God in Revelation chapter 3 says, behold, God says, I stand at the door and knock. And they would say, brother, do you hear him knocking on the door of your heart this morning? Open up your heart and allow him to come in. But, but here's something that always kind of I looked at and I thought that doesn't really make sense. Because listen, if you go read Revelation, who is the book of Revelation written to? 
the church, to the church, to the church. Go read it. The book of Revelation is to the church, to the church, to the church. And how many know that if we're the church, we're the believers, Christ is already in us. Right? So if he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock for so long, we have thought that Jesus on the outside and bless God this morning, if you would just get out of your seat and come to the altar. He's knocking on the door of your heart and he wants to come in. This was written to the church. I'm telling you, he's already in you. And I want you to have a paradigm shift this morning to where if Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart, he's on the inside of your heart. He doesn't want in, he wants. It's that simple. You see, my responsibility is to open up the doors of my heart. Because I guarantee you, at some time in this service, or at some time in the services to come, or at some time in this week, God's going to speak to you. And He's going to say, I'm the healer. And there's going to be somebody on the outside that's saying, I need healing. And He's going to want you to serve. And all you have to do is say, God, I hear you knocking at the door of my heart. And you open up the door. You need a healer? The healer's in the house. There's going to be somebody. There's going to be some dad and some son. And his son has cancer. And they are struggling. And they need deliverance somehow, some way. And you're going to think, I'm just a dumb fisherman with a stupid hobby. Wish I could quote the scripture like Pastor Kevin right now. No! He's knocking on the door of your heart. And you need to go to that father and that son. And you need to open up the door. It's just real simple and say, would you guys like to go fishing with me? And you don't go, hey, Pastor Kevin, um, you need to give me a sermon. So when they're there, oh, we're going to talk about deliverance and peace and all that. I need to memorize all this. Just be you. You're good at fishing. Fish. And that dad one day in heaven is going to walk up to you and say, thank you. Thank you for serving. Thank you for just fishing with us that day. You don't know how much that meant. He's going to say, I have, I cherished that memory after I lost my son for so long. Thank you for serving. You see, God's knocking on the door of your heart. My question is, not will you let him in. Will you let him out? Will you let him flow through you? For so long, we've we've been Acts 1 Christians. We come to church and we sing these songs and we beg God to visit. Come down from the heavens in Acts 1. Go read about them. They're looking up to the heavens. And an angel shows up and he says, Why stand ye gazing into the sky? I'm telling you, listen. God's not sending anything else from heaven. There's nothing else coming. He did everything through the death, 
burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 5 now says that He has gifted us. He has given us everything that we need for godliness. He's given us all gifts that we need to be able to do what we need to do. God's not sending anything. He's not trying to get in. He's trying to get out. What was Jesus' prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're looking to the heaven, and God's saying, heaven is in you. On earth as it is in heaven, open up your heart, and heaven comes out. Do you see this, guys? It's so simple. So my question today is, Will you serve? Will you just open your heart? As we grow as a church, will you come to us as a, as a pastoral staff and go, man, I got this crazy idea. And I don't know how to play on the worship team and I don't know how to preach. But what I do know how to do is this. And I just want to be faithful with what's in my hand. And we're going to say, yes, yes. Open up your heart and allow him to flow. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray over you. And listen, as I pray, my heart as I started out this sermon this morning is to see everybody at this change serving. So I just want you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes and as I pray, I'm going to... I'm going to ask for the Holy Spirit just to show you some of those things that He's gifted you with, some of those abilities and, and passions, and those things that you already have in your hand that God's saying, listen, I, I want to use those things. And then I just want you, as God starts to reveal some of those things, just to pray a prayer where you're at. I'm not going to ask anybody to get up here. I'm just going to ask you, to respond this morning to the message and just pray to God and say, yes, I will open. I hear you knocking at the door of my heart and I will open and let you go. Father, this morning, I thank you for the exchange. I thank you for every specific, special masterpiece that is here today. I declare, Father, you have done a great job creating. Father, we are your workmanship and Lord, it's beautiful to see all the all the different people here today, all the different backgrounds that we have, Lord God, the different passions and, and gifts and callings that we have, Father. And I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you just reveal to, to people this morning, your people, the place, the, the gifts, the talents that you've given them. I, I really believe right now, Lord Jesus, that... As I was preaching, Lord God, people were going, you know what? I, I think God could, I never thought God could use this one thing that I have. But you know what? I think God, has, that's what he's been talking about, church. And Father, my prayer is this, is that as you reveal that to us this morning, we would realize that your word says, yeah, we're called for good works that we should walk in them. That we have a responsibility this morning to use our free will and to cooperate 
And so I declare, Lord, that as we go out from this place, as we hear your voice knocking on the door of our heart, we would take a leap of faith. I pray that some people (laughs) come up to me after this service and say, Pastor Kevin, I pray that some people come up to Pastor Jared and Pastor Reuben, Lord, this morning. They come to our staff and say, listen, I just want to tell you, I got this idea and I want to serve. I want to serve this way. I pray that that is going to happen this morning. I pray that it's going to happen this week. And I pray even as people are faithful with what's in their hand at work, that you're going to use them. People are going to need healing. The healer's in the house. People are going to need deliver. The deliverer's in the house. People are going to need salvation. They're not going to call a pastor. They're going to say, hey, salvation's in the house. And they're going to open up their heart through faith. And I decree and I declare this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. 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 Be seated for just a moment. Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for the Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to the Exchange Church, you can go to our website at IamTheExchange.com and look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online. 